where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Ricky Prohl, what a weekend for you because you played with Peyton Manning at the end of your career too, right? So Isaac and Peyton. Yes, um, I was watching an interview with Peyton uh, during the game last night. and Special player, both of them. I mean, uh, for me, obviously, I'm a little biased, but uh, Isaac, it's long overdue. I mean, he, to me, is a first-time, first-ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, great player. Uh, to play 17 years, I played with some great players. And um, obviously, like you said, Peyton Manning and, and Isaac is at the top. I mean, he's as good as it gets. Our wide receivers coach, you coached in the NFL. What is it that sets Isaac apart that makes him a Hall of Famer? So many things. Um, his competitiveness is amazing. Um, his ability to play inside, outside, uh, make big plays, can go the distance, uh, can make the tough catch over the middle, can take it the distance anywhere on the field. Um, he's a threat anytime he touches the ball and, and anytime he's on the field. And, and uh, he does everything well. Um, I, I think there's two guys that I've played with, and like I said, I've played with um, some amazing athletes, amazing wide receivers, um, but people who have the ability to change direction at full speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guys that I played with come in mind is is and they they were so similar was um, Isaac and Marvin Harrison and um, but Isaac's uh, like I said it, it, top shelf uh, tremendous receiver that could do so many things great not well not good great. We've talked to Kurt Warner and Dick Vermeil today, and both of them mentioned a standard that Isaac set. He was with the Rams when they moved to St. Louis. What sort of standard did he set on the practice field, in the locker room, in the games? What what kind of standard was Isaac Bruce at? He just, um, you know, I, I felt I, I got a chance to play with Isaac probably, I don't know, I, I mean, date myself, probably he was probably year five, but I can't imagine being a rookie coming in and seeing Isaac Bruce and going, God, I'm, I'm, it would be intimidating. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play in this league. Like, this guy can run full speed. I mean, he would be at top speed within, you know, four to five yards, and he could stop on a dime and change direction. And that's what separated him from everybody else. And he worked on his craft every day. Um, and we all did, but he did it at a different level. I mean, um, the speed of the game and, and – the quickness, explosiveness, how he um, played was uh, came from practice. That's how he practiced, you know. And, and um, it set a standard from Torrey Holt when he came in, um, you know, to when I came in. Um, that's how we, that's how we do it. That's how we did it. Was we we followed Isaac and you know watching him from afar when he was in L.A. and catching a hundred and something passes a year, and then to see him up close in person. Um, you saw real quick why and how he did it was because he worked every day in practice, played at the speed in practice that he would 
in a game, and, and it showed up every week. And, Ricky, we were talking to Kurt a moment ago about how you guys watched tape on Monday. And you, as a group, you guys really blocked, too. For a guy six foot, 180 pounds, Isaac threw his weight around, didn't he? As he a did. Player. He did, and, and and we laugh about that all the time. And, and Isaac, would, if he was sitting here, I'd say the same thing, and he'd tell you, Al Saunders had everything to do with that. That was our receiver coach, and and uh, we laugh about Coach Saunders all the time. Uh, myself, Isaac, Tori, Oz, uh, Tony Horn, but he would chase us down the field mm -hmm. if we weren't blocking. And his biggest thing was keep the safeties off Marshall Falk. If I've got a yell down his field every day in practice i'm gonna i'm gonna chase you down if you're not blocking <laughs> and he, you'd be you'd be 20 yards down the field and you'd hear something chirping in your ear you'd look and it'd be al saunders <laughs> chasing us down the middle of the field and um we would laugh like this guy's nuts yeah and he really instilled blocking and then what happened it became contagious all of a sudden you make just that half a second get in front of the safety and marshall's cutting off of you and going 70 yards for a touchdown and it was sprint down there to do the bob and weave, and, and it became <laughs> contagious to where we wanted to make that block for Marshall, for Isaac, for Torrey, and, and we took pride in blocking down the field, and, and that was, that's a tribute to Al Saunders, and, and he instilled that in all of us. When did you know that you guys were a great team? Because I'm sure early in the season you felt good, you were racking up some wins, you knew that there was a, a great collection of talent there, but when did you know this is a team that could win the Super Bowl? It was probably middle of the year, and, and it all come from, I think, Dick. I think Dick believed in us when we lost Trent and Kurt came into the fold. Um, we were all doubting, like, oh, man, this was going to be a special year. And, and they just did a great job of just taking bits and pieces of our offense and letting Kurt get comfortable. And he got comfortable quicker than they anticipated. And, and um, But I think we were, I don't know, 5, 6, and 0, oh, and then we lost two in a row. Um, so we were feeling good about ourselves. Then we got kind of hit in the mouth by Detroit, and I think it was Tennessee yep. maybe. Mm -hmm. yep. and, um, but then we bounced back, and, and, you know, Dick had said a story about getting in the wheelbarrow, and yeah. he believed in us. And all of a sudden guys started looking at each other and said, my butt's in the wheelbarrow. Like, I believe. And, and it, it was so much fun. I, it, it's so hard to explain. It was like playing backyard ball, just – teens when all of a sudden we started getting the greatest show on turf and it was you know um a track meet on a football field we played fast we played physical um but it was always like not today the defense always like not today and they would kind of sometimes they'd have something good for us in the first half and then by the second half we just like just let's see what they're doing just wait it out play the game and then all of a sudden we just crank it up and it was who was going to make the plays that week? And sometimes it was Isaac. Sometimes it was Tory. Um, a lot of times it was Oz. And, and then, you know, in between here and there, I'd make my first downs. And, <laughs> and um, But it was – it was. I think the biggest thing for me that I take away from that team was um, selflessness. We didn't care who scored. We didn't care who made the play. It was um, let's just make those plays and, and celebrate. I think it's, it's remarkable. And – this is not Isaac being fake or just, you know, just saying something. But when you ask Isaac what his favorite catch of all time was, he says number one was Ricky Prohl's catch <laughs> yeah. in, in the Tampa Bay game. That says it all right there when you talk about selfless, right? And he's – it's a completely authentic when he says that. He um, – yeah, he has said that several times, um, and that's Isaac. Um, but I think he would tell you that this football team – made him that way you know to play in this league and to play as long as Isaac did 
you have to be somewhat selfish because you have to you got to want that football you got to want to make plays and and I was that way Tory was that way Oz Isaac Marshall but when you're around when you sit in a huddle and you look in Orlando Pace and Kurt Warner and Isaac Tory Marshall Oz Ernie Conwell you can't help but get better and you're not going to get every ball so you learn and and it was guys like I think Tory did a great job of that selflessness and incorporating that in even as a young player because I think coming in as a young player, he was just glad to be associated with this football team and to win and to, to have the success and him to be a, a first-year, you know, starter and, and, and to contribute like he did. Um, but I think we all learned that we weren't going to all be that guy every game. Mm -hmm. And it was about us, the, the, you know, because Tory's the one who did the, the bob and weave. That yeah. was his deal. And But Oz was so selfless and, and just um, created that fun – um, carefree attitude that we all kind of took on as the year went on. And it was just a perfect blend of players that were so competitive but just loved each other, played for each other, and didn't care who got the, the, the glamour, um, so to speak, but just, um, just couldn't wait to just make plays and win football games. So take me through the Bob and Weave. When's the first time that Tory presented it to you guys or you saw it? And it had to be so fun for that to be such a, a celebration and a calling card and for you guys to look in the stands and the dome and see everybody doing it. It caught on like wildfire. It, it did. And, and I'm getting old, so I don't remember <laughs> the particular game when Tory started doing it. So I'm probably the wrong guy to ask. I just know it started when we started getting on that string of four to five and we started putting up 40 points. A, a week and um, Tori just started doing it so I, I'm probably not the right guy and then we all just started getting involved and, and he kind of uh, orchestrated how we were going to do it uh -huh. and, and this is what we need to do every time we score and it, it just it took fire and, and um, I mean God the St. Louis fans were just amazing I mean I, I I still get frustrated to think that they're not they don't have a football team because they were the best fans that I've ever played in front of in my 17 years. It was – Mike Martz often said, perfect place and time, right? And it really was because of the style of play that played. And I tell people now, yes, we did lose the team. But I don't think Ricky – Ricky Prohl with us on 101 ESPN. I don't think that any fan base is capable of seeing what we saw or any – football team is capable of doing what you did. The way offense is played now, the way defense is played now, the way the league is legislated hitting out of the game. I think that what you guys did over that period of time was the best that the NFL ever had to offer. you agree? I, I do. I do. Uh, I mean, you look at what we were doing um, and how we did it was, was truly amazing. Um, you couldn't stop us. You know, you could contain us for a first half maybe, um, but then it was eventually going to blow up, and it did, every week in and week out. And um, it was fun to be a part of. It was amazing to see firsthand, um, you know, because you got to understand, I mean, I played for 10 years prior and, and um, seeing the 49ers with Jerry and John Taylor and Joe Montana and those Roger Craig and what they did, and, and it was, it's not even a comparison. Um, That's saying something. Yeah. I mean, it, it was <laughs> – yeah. well, even back in the – with Mouths Davis with the Oilers and Detroit with the run and shoot, yep. they still weren't doing what we did. Um, you know, we were under center, and Marshall was still getting 
20 touches, 25 right. touches. Yeah. You know? And for a season, he'd run for 1,387 yards. You knew it every year it was 1,387, <laughs> right? You could run. And that's probably the biggest thing that changed the game is that the, the pass set up the run. And you guys would get ahead with the pass and then turn it over to him in the second half of games, right? Exactly. And, and um, you know, I, I think one of the things that's not been said, and, and Coach Martz would be able to probably tell you this, and, and Coach Vermeil, but Martz more so because of the offense that he put in and the, and the, um, the complexity of it. Uh, I know Kirk could tell you if he didn't tell you this morning, but we had smart football players. Mm-hmm. Oz was smart. Tori and Isaac. We're smart. I'd like to think I was smart. smart. Marshall was probably next to Peyton, one of the, the two smartest football players I ever stepped on the field with. Um, but we could do things that other people couldn't. And, and me and Oz in the slot, we had a lot of responsibilities, like Marshall did being in the backfield. And we'd line up in the backfield and, and split to different formations, change formations, motion, do different shifts um, that teams would want to do that. But – if you don't have the right players that, that understand the offense and know um, where to line up and where to shift to and where to motion to, we did so many different things that allowed us to have the success that we had because we could do that stuff in the complexity, you know, that, w- that we did it in was, um, was amazing, and that was because we had smart football players. And the other teams can try that, but if you don't have number 76 at left tackle, it just doesn't work, right? He, you talk about the fulcrum of the whole thing, and the reason that you could make it go, it's because of Orlando. Unbelievable. I mean, that guy, I mean, I, I'll always say, I mean, the, the, his footwork, his, his size, and his ability to move and his quickness for being as big as he was, I mean, no disrespect to Kurt, but I think I could have been to, a disaster quarterback with Orlando. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, if something ever happened to all the starters, hey, I'll play quarterback with Orlando protecting my blind side. I'll run if I have to, on the, if I see anything coming on this side, but I know my backside's protected. Right, yeah. He was amazing. And, and like I said, that's where you just look at that group and, and even Timmerman and Grudadori, all those guys, and Tommy Newton and Fred Miller. I mean, we were loaded. Uh, yeah. You know, you can't deny that. Um, with some great tight ends in, in Ernie and Roland and, um, you know, Greg. Uh, you know, it, it was uh, it, it was truly amazing. Do you remember what the reaction was around the league at that time? Because I've been revisiting a lot of the post-game stories, and it struck me how many times an opposing coach or an opposing player would make it a point to go up to someone on the Rams and say, wow, you guys really have something. And not only did you have this innovative and electric offense, you were 0-8 in the NFC West a year prior to then come out and be this greatest show on turf. So what do you remember about the reaction from other teams around the league? I think they were blown away. I, I mean, I think to put it in perspective uh, – um, you know, talking about Isaac, and this is his special week. Um, he cried like a baby when we beat the Niners um, in San Fran because he had never done that. And to beat him twice that year. Um, but I think, you know, it, there was a, a video of a highlight of, of us doing our thing, and um, it was a DB on the sideline going, just blown away. Like, this is a track meet on a football field. There, there, there's a bunch of track stars out there running around. Um, and, and it was. We, we played with, like I said, with the shifts and then the motions and then the ball snapped where everybody's moving. And we did a lot of um, crossing routes and switch releases. And it just – it put defenses in such a bind. And we were doing stuff that the league hasn't seen. 
and it, it blew everybody away. They, and, and like you said, after the game, talking to coaches and players, they're like, you guys are unbelievable. Like, this is so hard to stop. You got so much talent. Um, you play fast. And um, y'all going to go, you know, we'll see you in, in Atlanta. You know, you guys are going to be in Atlanta. I think people knew that that was we were destined to, to play in the Super Bowl that year. And it is amazing. And, and that's a tribute to Coach Vermeil and his staff because they believed we went 4-12. and 12 And, you know, they, they weren't happy with Dick. Um, I'm sure that's another story for maybe another day, but I know front office was – they were trying to run coach off. Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and we believed in him, and it, it was tough. And, and the way he did it – I mean, it, people tell you our practices weren't pleasant. Three hours twice a day hitting in Macomb, Illinois, it was not fun. And, but the Super Bowl year he backed off. And, and I asked him, I said, Coach, why did you all of a sudden go from full pads in 98 to Super Bowl year – you know, I don't think we wore pads at all. And he said, we had a young football team, and they had to understand that when I said no pads, it wasn't a day off. That we were still going to practice fast, practice hard. We just weren't – it was no contact. And um, and he said, you have to trust me. There's a method to my madness and, and been here before, and I've learned from my past, you know, uh, mistakes in Philadelphia. And, and uh, he's a great football coach. And I'm just – blessed that I had the opportunity to play for him for two years. One of the things, Ricky, that we miss about the NFL is that the platform used by the NFL to benefit communities is great. And you did, Ricky Pearl did unbelievable things in St. Louis with your platform. Isaac, Kurt, still uh, doing a, a lot of things in town. And you're uh, back home in North Carolina, and you've just opened Prolific Park. I know you've done a lot of things beside that, but I, I'm really amazed by and thrilled by what prolific park is can you tell us what it is yeah well first of all we didn't just open it. it's it been 14 years oh, yes, sometimes yeah. it feels like 28 <laughs> years because it is it's a lot of work and it's something that um i wouldn't i wouldn't change for the world it, it's um because it is, it is tough especially this whole covid thing but um it's a family fitness center and, and sports complex and um my vision 14 years ago was to give back um i think we all have had that mentor in our life, whether it was mom and dad or teacher or coach. Um, and for me, it was, it was obviously mom and dad, but it, more, it, was, it was coaching. And it was uh, my high school coach, my college coach, Coach Vermeil. Um, you know, but back early on was when I needed that boot in the butt, when I was making bad decisions, bad choices, um, pointing me in the right direction. And, and um, I just wanted to create a platform for young kids, family, special needs, um, to be successful and, and to learn life skills through sports. And, um, you know, I run my foundation at a prolific park. We scholarship kids that, um, that can't afford to play travel soccer or football or travel baseball. So we have everything, every gamut from lacrosse to travel soccer, J.O. volleyball, um, travel baseball to recreation sports, field hockey, basketball, um, you name it, we do it, gymnastics. That's um, awesome. But uh, like I said, uh, we have after-school program where parents feel good. I think I grew up in a time where I get on my bike and go. And, um, you know, it's, it's a different, different time now. Mm -hmm. and, and I wanted to create a safe haven for moms to be able to drop their kids off and have relationships, meet other kids that they normally wouldn't meet. And, and have that uh, 
fraternity of, of kids that they get to know that maybe they wouldn't have and, and to learn life skills, to, to make up games, play tag, play dodgeball. Uh -huh. Like nowadays these kids don't play, and, and they do at Prolific Park. Yeah, that's and, great. And form relationships and, and learn how to communicate. And, um, and it, it's amazing. I get to bring back a lot of former teammates and athletes, and we do camps and clinics and different things that, um, you know, we have that, that platform to make a, an impact in our communities. And, and enough isn't said. You know, you read all the negative stuff that, that happens out there, and you don't read about the Isaac Bruce and the Kurt Warners and the different things that they're doing in St. Louis and in Phoenix and L.A. and Florida. Um, there's so many athletes are making a huge impact in their communities, yeah. and and um, and that's what I'm trying to do in, in North Carolina. Thank you very much for what you do. One final thing, and I was joking with Michelle last night. It took me like a dozen years to watch the NFL film Super Bowl 36. Okay, it took me a really long time. Not over it, but it took. I'm me not either. <laughs> and that makes you feel good. I, I don't like to. I'm tired of seeing you know the whole hands in the face. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, but right at the beginning, here's Ricky Prohl during oh, introductions. Yeah. Oh, no, you're not going to say that. I am, eh? I am. But little so – <laughs> I was right, just the wrong team. You, that's what I was telling Michelle. He says, Dynasty starts that. tonight. And I said, little did you know. What? I, I you guess, weren't wrong. I, yeah. I, I, no, I catch. I've got – not family, but close friends. And, yeah, I hear that crap all the time <laughs> uh, from New England. I said, hey, I was right, just the wrong team. But um, I believed it. And, you know, it was one of those things where all of a sudden you turn around and as if – uh, a, a camera in your face and it was like that was the first thing that came to mind because I believed it you know and and um you know we were uh, it, it's just uh we had something special and, yeah. and really to be honest with you probably didn't take advantage of it like we could have everybody says that everybody we've talked to says that yeah and it's, it's we compare it to the Cubs who just broke up the 2016 Cubs they thought they were going to be a dynasty it's hard to be a dynasty it is it is it's it's um you know, there's a lot of egos in this business, and it's, um, you know, everybody wants to, to make, you know, their, um, their impression, mm -hmm. I guess. I don't know the word, uh, the right word I'm looking for, but whether it's an offense coordinator wants to, hey, bring his players in or put his system in instead of it's, if it works. Fingerprints yeah. on everything. Yeah, if it, if, it, if it works, why change it? Mm -hmm. You know, everybody wants to get credit for their own instead of – you know, hey, you got someone who has got a collection of people here. Let's keep it going as long as they're productive and as long as they're buying into what yeah. you're doing. Don't change it. And um, and that's a frustrating thing for me as a coach. When I when I went to the other side to hear the things that I heard behind closed doors about different players, about different things that I didn't agree with. And, and sometimes, I, you know, for me, I was in a great position as a coach to voice my opinion. And um, – and some people it didn't set in right, but for a lot, I think they respected that I was willing to put my reputation. My, you know, I wasn't afraid of, hey, if I'm going to get fired, I'm going to get fired. And, and I think that's why Dave Gettleman and I had a great relationship, Marty Herney and I, because I wasn't in there. You know, I fight for my players, and, and I wouldn't sugarcoat stuff. And, and I think there's too much of that going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, everybody's trying to keep a job and save a job. and, and um, But I do think uh, – you know, it's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers. We don't know, even as a former player, what really went on. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, I know one thing, he's a great quarterback. And, and let's work together and let's, you know, he should have some input. I mean, he's, he's yeah. you know, and, and I don't know the true story. So probably I should probably say anything more than, than what I've already said. But, um, 
players want to be involved because they want to win. Bottom line, know? right? And, and they know what it takes to win, and uh, especially someone like Aaron Rodgers. And, and I just hope as a former player that he is, you know, he's doing it for all the right reasons and, and, and taking a stand. Yeah. Well, St. Louis has a storied sports history, and you have one of the top half dozen iconic moments in St. Louis sports history. And it's great to be able to celebrate Isaac going into the Hall of Fame and that, that you're here, and we, we're thrilled that you took some time with us to reminisce today. Well, it's always St. Louis is a special place, man. It's, it's home. I always say when I go, I, what, you know, what does it feel like to come back to St. Louis? I say it feels like home. People treat me great. The fans have always been wonderful. I'm blessed that I played there for five years. I'm blessed that, you know, I got an opportunity to play with Isaac Bruce. He's a special player, a great friend, and um, and I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thanks, Ricky. Appreciate it. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks. Appreciate it. Ricky Prohl with us on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Whether in person or remote, open communication with your doctor is key to managing any condition, including heart failure. How have you been feeling? Um, I'm okay. Both are great options to continue having open conversations with your doctor about how you're feeling. I've had less energy. And when you speak openly with your doctor, they're better equipped to help. Visit heartfailuretalks.com to learn more.